I just got stuck in a bogey train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the next installment of the Bogey Train podcast. This is going to be uh, our Jordan episode, episode 23. It's our Jordan year. All right. Uh, got myself, uh, Nick, and just Jenks today. No Noah. He is, uh, well, I have no idea where he's at. So I have no idea. There you go. Starting off on, hot. He said he's on spring break, so he's probably, you know, naked in the mountains somewhere. Uh, having a couple brews, playing yeah. disc golf. I'm not exactly sure I know what a spring break looks like for that guy, and I'm not sure that I want to know. So Yeah, I don't think um, I do. I probably won't ask him about it next time we chat, but we will see. Um, I'm feeling good coming off a massive victory in uh, the fantasy golf DraftKings pool this week. You did have um, a good, very good pool. Some good picks. Yep. I was six for six <coughs> in the cut. All my players made the cut. So, um, you know, I had, I had some extra points on the weekend that some of the other guys didn't have. Um, just as a refresher, see if I can find this here. Uh, okay. I had Scotty Scheffler, who finished tied fourth. Jason Day tied 10th. Ricky Fowler tied 31st. Keegan Bradley tied 10th. Adam Scott tied 31st. And Tommy Fleetwood tied 61st. And uh, had a pretty easy victory. Won by uh, 60, 70 points. So, yeah. uh, My first victory on the PGA Tour. And, uh, yeah, it's just been a great experience. And, uh yeah, I am now eight dollars in the positive for this season. Nice, so. nice. My uh, my picks last week did not go so well. Uh, some guys I mentioned on the show last week, one of them being Sam Burns, did not. Or did I pick Sam Burns or Sam Ryder? Sam Burns, right? No, you said Sam Burns. Yeah, did I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, miss Miss Cut for good old Sam Burns. Must be some you struggles. Know, yeah, I think I think he's in a slump or something. We haven't I haven't seen him in contention in a while. I hadn't really thought about him until you said that. Yeah, and then. Uh, and then I realized it feels like it's been a little while since he's been in the mix. So he it must be dealing. It really with has something. been. That's why it was kind of like, uh, you know, he's been out of it for a while. He's got some good value. I think he could uh, get something done this week. Uh, yeah, did not happen. It's tough. It's tough. Um, any, uh, we got to hit golf balls a few times this past week. Oh, actually, we already talked about that because that was on. Yeah, we talked on about Monday. one of them. Yeah, we recorded on Tuesday. Uh, last week so we talked about one day um and then last wednesday we went and we played some simulator we played nine holes that was ugly and uh i beat you you did i quite a few i shot even i think you shot three right you made a no double i ended up, shooting, last hole? I ended up, I ended up shooting four because i doubled oh. the last hole i needed to uh make an eagle to tie you and uh made double so yeah uh, absolutely you know, swing, that swing change Kind of felt pretty good. I hit some really nice shots. I was shaping a nice little pull draw out there. So once we get that pull straightened out, I think I'm going to have a nice, beautiful ball flight. There you go. Um, I'll probably be the best player in Watertown at that point. Okay. Well, we got, <coughs> uh, 
big aspirations. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, Joe Gore does not listen to this podcast. Um, just kidding. shout out Joe Gore. I saw him yeah. at the uh, the gym this week. Oh wow! Yeah. That's is that just like a flex that you were at the gym or what? It's a flex. I was at the gym and I saw Joe Gore at the gym. So I mean, okay. I I did the math. It had been about. 24 months since the last time I had been to the gym. Uh, and during that time period, I pay $50 a month for my gym membership. Okay. So I had spent, I'm averaging uh, one gym visit per $600. Wow. So, okay. Well, hopefully you made it worth it when you were there. <laughs> I did. I walked a mile. In your own shoes or someone else's shoes? I did wear my own. Oh, okay. Yep. But I'll go back. Is... I'll be back this week. Okay, perfect. Um, shoot, I had something in mind. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what? I've just had a flood of messages coming in. The people are wondering, like, what, what's the event schedule looking like for Jengs this summer? So they're just they're really curious about uh, what events that you are committed My... to. Some <clears throat> that are on the fence. You know, they're just they're clamoring <clears throat> to know. Uh, my current commitments, uh, I've committed to play the South Dakota State Two-Man Championship. Um, I'm planning on playing the uh, Compesca Open and the Cattail Crossing Pro-Am. Okay. I'll All be right. playing the Thursday Night Men's League Challenge this year. I'm actually playing in two leagues this year instead of just one. Two leagues? Uh, yeah, I doubled up. I'm playing three and five o'clock. So. What? Yeah, I got a, we had a men's league meeting this week. The league reps got together and one of the other league reps asked me if I wanted to play at three o'clock with them. And I said, sure. Well, so, you've got nothing else better to do. Nope. Um, so there's that. I'm on the fence about the match play. I think I'm going to play the qualifying round at Prairie Winds. <laughs> and if I qualify, I might go out, but I don't know. Okay. Well, do you have to pay the full entry fee for the tournament to play in the qualifier? No, you only have to pay like 20 bucks to play the qualifier. And then oh, from there, it's okay. The I was going to say, fee. yeah, if it's like 150 or 200 bucks or whatever it is just to play in the qualifier and then... Yeah, yeah and then just not go. go. Uh, and then I might play the state stroke play again this year. Uh, not 100% remind sure. Me, remind me where... Wait, wait, it's at Willow, isn't it? It is at Willow Run, yes. Okay. Man, Home of I, a symmetric I can't decide. Event, I believe. I can't decide if I hate that course or like that course. I think that course is poop, but. I feel like, so the match play was out there a few years ago. Um, when we played there in high school, for some reason, I thought that was like one of the hardest courses ever. So I had like these ideas in my head, like, oh, that this course is really hard. Then I went there for the match play and I was like, uh, it's actually not hard. And I hit like three drivers each round total, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't think the course is hard. I just think it's stupid. It's like, a little bit stupid. Like, hole one's kind of dumb. Hole two's kind of dumb. I don't think we need to go through all of them. But, yeah, a lot of dumb holes out there. Hole ten's kind of dumb. I actually like hole ten. 18, 12. Though. I 10, like 11, 18. 12, 13, not bad. 14. I don't know. There's some, there's some whatever. I think, it is, I think it's a cool finishing stretch. I think 16, 17, 18 is a really cool finish. Um, I agree with that. So, uh, yeah. people who don't know what we're talking about are, uh, probably super bored right now, but that's all well, right. Well, maybe they should watch the Symmetra tour and they would know what we're talking about. They don't still play there, do they? I don't know if they still do or not, but I know There's that they no used way. to. 
Symmetra and is it still tour. called the Symmetra Tour? It is. Hmm. The Symmetra Tour. Willow Run Golf Course. Uh, well, according to this, the last time it was there was in 2018. Okay, that's what I thought. No. Oh. So it's a, apparently, it's been a while since it's been to uh, to good old um, whatever that course is called. Willow. Uh, Symmetra Tour does play at El Campion, though. Of course, that you know a little bit about. At Howie in the Hills, Florida? Yeah. That course is hard. Probably not for them. Oh, I bet it is for them. Of course, it was a hard walk. Shout out to my grandma who was watching me uh, that day. Uh, she nearly had a heart attack. So Yeah, shout out uh, Nick's grandma. Um, all right, should we get on to the uh, the biggest uh, PGA Tour tournament of the week, the Puerto Rico Open? Let, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> That's huge. All right, uh, I, you, I see you put that on the document. I didn't. I was not planning on talking about the Puerto Rico Open. I yeah, did watch, I ju- actually, some of it, though. I, I didn't really want to talk about the tournament. I just wanted to talk about a couple things. Uh, number one, Wedgley Bryan is back. Top six at the Puerto Rico Open. That means he's like the 160th best golfer this week on the PGA Wait, he had Tour. a good finish at Puerto Rico? Yeah, he finished sixth. Okay. Uh, like, I think three off the lead or something like that, four or five off wow, the lead. Wow, that was kind of out of nowhere. I never saw him on the leaderboard the first yeah. many days. Um, he, he was kind of just lurking. He was kind of just lurking uh, the first few days. And then the final round, I think he had a really strong finish that vaulted him up the leaderboard. You know, I was going to ask how he still has status, but I think they were digging pretty deep to fill out the field for the Puerto Rico Open. Yeah, and I know he, I don't think he's still on his temp injury status that he had. Uh, so I really don't know what status he does have. Um, but one person who does have uh, some new status is uh, Akshay Batia. 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 Uh, one of our friends in high school actually played the U.S. Amateur the same year as Akshay did. They, they got uh, confused for each other. Uh, the as, U.S. Like, Junior Am. Yeah, the U.S. Junior Am at Baltus for all. Either he, some something like he's it was a left. He's left-handed, just like Akshay, and said his name was Bada, or, or you know, because Sam Bada shout yeah. out. Um, and I think they either gave him the wrong nameplate or something. Somehow, I think there was like some sort of confusion for the two of them. But and now their careers, their golf careers, are really on a very parallel arc. Yeah, one of them just got like special temp status on the tour, and one of them flies airplanes. So. I mean, you can guess which one is which, but I just wanted to shout out Akshay for the uh, the good finish this week, the special temp status, uh, and we'll see. He what had he a can real caddy on his bag this week. Not his, not just his girlfriend. Tinder date. Yeah. Uh, Wesley Bryan had his brother on the bag this week, and so I think Did that's why he played so well. Yeah, like every time he has his brother on the bag, he usually plays pretty decent. I love so, how like. We don't even like have on here to talk about the winner of the event. What was the guy's name even? Uh, he was like Echev- Chilean, Echevarria. Echevarria. Yeah, Nico it- Nico Echevarria. I'm assuming it's going to be Eka because it's uh, Spanish. I think that would be Echa. I don't think they. I don't think Ch makes that sound. In shout out Nico. Yeah, he won by I don't know a couple shots or something. One by, Here's, okay. one by two. 
Good for him. I've, like some people, like Tony Finau, his first one was the Puerto Rico Open. I think Victor Hovland, Puerto Rico Open was his first win. Possibly. I believe that is correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, downplay the Puerto Rico Open. But here's the thing. It's always been an alternate field event, but it hasn't been up against the Arnold Palmer before, right? What was I think it usually? It, I think it usually is up against the Arnold Palmer. I thought it was usually against like the match play or something. Um, I don't believe so, but I'll look at the 2022 schedule and we'll see what uh, what comes up. Yeah. Uh, 2021, 22. Keep Clearly talking. We were prepared. We're always prepared. Um, I mean, if you haven't figured out by now, it's the 23rd episode of the show. We are the most prepared podcast out here. Uh, last year it was against the Arnold Palmer as well. So I think it usually is. That's it's the, the Punta Cana is the one that's against, uh, the match play. Okay. Let me, let me just try to figure this out here because I, I feel like, all right, the Puerto Rico Open. Okay, it used to be it used to be opposite the WGC um, Mexico Championship. Mm. So, so this is this is what season? Um, what am I looking at? Twenty twenty one. This must have been before they changed it to the concession. But, okay, so the Puerto Rico Open used to be uh, um, at the same time as the WGC, like the not the match play one, the one that was at Doral and then eventually got moved to Chapultepec in Mexico and then got moved. Um, Okay, so because here's the thing. It's one thing for it to be like an alternate field to – a WGC or something like that. You can't have alternate field events the same week as a full field PGA tour event. Like I get that the Arnold Palmer is a designated event and all this now, but it's a full field, right? It was 150 players. Yeah. Cause it's an invitational. It might be a little less. It might only be 130, but uh, shoot. It's not. Yeah, you're right. It probably is a little less, but still to have it, alternating uh, like what's essentially a full field event that doesn't make sense to me yeah uh, uh, next year because, it will be a full field though yeah so it just seems like the the field is just absolutely atrocious which obviously it's going to be but um anything else from that or should we move on to the arnold palmer um i think we can move on to the the iced tea and lemonade invitational so I I love this event. It's it, I would say it's one of my favorites to watch. Yeah, this it's a is sick just event. this is just a great stretch for this time of year. I mean, we got the Phoenix Open, Genesis, which I could give I could take or leave, which is again probably not a very popular take. Um, but I I've always liked the Honda, even though uh, now it's not going to be called that anymore, and the field was awful this year. But just thinking to prior years, the Honda was always a great event. And then Arnold Palmer, and then we've got uh, TPC Sawgrass next week for the players. I mean, it's just a it's just a great stretch of golf, and uh, I really like Bay Hill. What do you think of Bay Hill? 
I have always loved Bay Hill. Uh, even going back to like Tiger Woods 2010, Bay Hill was kind of always one of my favorite courses to to play. Uh, sorry, I'm typing something in our document here. Uh, most famous courses. We're doing great here on this podcast so far. Yeah, um, seriously. Uh, but it's just like, it's really a sick course. And I don't know if it's like the whole course, because there's definitely some holes out there that every single year when the tournament comes around, I kind of forget what they look like and what they are. But, you know, hole six, just the iconic boomerang par five that Bryson tried to drive the green a few years ago. Um, 16, 17, 18, kind of a really cool finishing stretch. Like the course itself is just really really cool and it's actually really challenging which you kind of see every year uh like the winning score is usually not that low this year uh nine under won it last year i think scotty won it with five under like yep people don't usually go super low here so that's always kind of fun to watch too yeah i saw a take uh there was a take from rory today um i think after the round i saw he said something like yeah, um, he said basically when the lead was changing on the back nine, it was mostly because of bogeys and not birdies. And it's like I don't, I just don't know if the fans really like if that's what they like watching and like they like when there's a lot more birdies. And it's like um, I don't know. I disagree. I, I like I like just seeing a close tournament. Like I don't care if it's you know exactly. guys that are in a shootout making birdies every hole, or if it's you know a guy has a three shot lead and then he makes a triple and then it's just like you know, who's going to make less mistakes down the stretch. It's fun to watch. Like, that's awesome because uh, Kitayama tripled the ninth and, but then didn't even, didn't make any other birdies, just like, uh, just made a bunch of pars and then ended up finding himself alone at the top of the leaderboard uh, by like, I don't know, midway through the back nine or something like that. Mm -hmm. So he was, after he had triple bogey, he was trailing by one to, I think a couple guys. And uh, all he did was make a bunch of pars. And then at one point he was in the lead on his own that ended up making a birdie at 17. So um, I think when the course is playing as difficult as it is, it just makes the birdie like he made on 17 that much more special. Like, you know, how yeah. good of a shot it was that he hit into there because no, like very few guys were able to hold the green going right out the flag. And uh, a lot of guys, you know, bailed a little bit over to the left. So no, I definitely like seeing events like this where the winning score isn't super deep and uh, like it makes you care more about the birdies when everyone's not just making a birdie at all times, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it was really kind of interesting too. Uh, on the coverage, listening to it, they said, you know, coming to the back nine, he's going to have to make some birdies because there's some gettable holes on the back nine. Uh, and then nobody really like, did anything super special on the back nine like just looking at everybody's scorecards around Kitayama that that were in contention yeah yeah like Rory made a couple bogeys on 14 15 uh Cantlay who got done a little bit earlier I mean he had a good finish Harris English made a couple birdies speed you want to see three bogeys in his last five back nine scorecard click on uh Webb Simpson Weber yeah Oh, a little six straight action. <laughs> yeah, what was it, like 12 through 17 or something? 12 through 17, yeah. Yeah. 
That's pretty sick. I like seeing that. Um, but I guess just, you know, first thing, kind of overall thoughts on the tournament. I watched coverage today. I didn't really watch it any other time throughout the week. Um, you know, watching Kiriyama play, like, this guy was just holding some putts. That yeah. that par three on the front, is at hole seven? Uh, he nailed a long one there. Yeah, a really long one. Yep. And then he made that triple on nine. And just the back nine, it was... Like it was almost like nobody wanted to win. Like nobody was like trying to run yeah, away it with was, it. It was like everyone was just protecting scores and Yeah, I said in one words. of my one of my group chats today, it was like <laughs> it's it, it felt like a bunch of different guys either like tied the lead or had a, a solo lead at one point. And then it was like as soon as they were in the lead, they either make a double or like back to back bogeys or something like that. Like someone would like there, I know Hatton had solo leads, I know Spieth had a solo lead. I know um, who else uh, had a solo Rory, lead. Rory did for a little bit. Rory, Rory did. Um, obviously, Kitayama. He ended up yeah. uh, coming back though. But yeah, it was it was really kind of a crazy back nine. And then at one point there was like four guys tied for the lead at there. Was, yeah, there was a bunch eight. of guys at eight, uh, and then there like... were a bunch of guys at seven, like. There was like seven guys or no, eight guys maybe all within, you know, one shot of the lead. Yeah. Which was, yeah. Which for was a while, for a while it was looking like there'd maybe be like this huge playoff. Like there was a bunch of guys at eight, um, you know, Hideyama was at eight. Rory was at eight. Harris English was at eight. Spieth was at eight. Scheffler and Hatton were around eight. Like there was just a bunch of guys up there, uh, and it, I mean, really cool for Kitayama. First win on the PGA Tour, I believe. Uh, he's been playing around the the DP World Tour. Has a couple wins over there. I'm pretty sure, but you know, this is a this is a big win in a designated event. All the best players are here, and to to knock down, you know, guys like Rory and Spieth and Scotty who are in the top five. That's a that's a huge win for Kurt Kitayama. Yeah, and I gotta I gotta eat a little bit of crow here. I didn't say it out loud to anyone, but I certainly underestimated Kurt Kitayama. Uh, I remember seeing him near the top of the leaderboard. Uh, actually, well, when he took the lead, uh, the second round was a really really solid round. I, I just remember thinking to myself, like I'd bet so much money, just like there is no chance Kurt Kitayama like keeps this going and finishes this off, and. Uh, I'm glad I didn't actually put any money on that because yeah, and um, yeah, respect for Kurt Kitayama for sure. He he finished it off. He shot even for the entire weekend. Uh, at one point on Saturday, he doubled the fourth hole. He bogeyed the ninth hole, so he was three over through nine. Uh, made four birdies the back nine to maintain the lead, and then uh, you know shot even again today to to close it out. Uh, I don't know, some big movers today, Patrick Cantlay. I saw a funny tweet this morning that it was uh, something like DeWalt treated out, or tweeted out something like today's DeWalt day. Uh, and it was like a picture of Patrick Cantlay holding a DeWalt drill. And uh, he shot 68, got himself up there into a top five. Um, we mentioned guys like Spieth and Rory who are up there. Really, all of them had a chance to win. 
Uh, just a couple mistakes here or there. Victor Hovland, final round 75, kind of fell out of it. <clears throat> uh, Francesco, it was weird to hear his name back in the mix. He finished down at T14, but they were they were giving hey, him some coverage he's, time. He's he's grinding. He's trying to be the Italian Ryder Cupper this fall. Yeah. Uh, they showed a little JT earlier. He shot two over today, though. Um, which I don't I know why they're showing if, him on coverage, but I wonder if Francesco got a live offer. He had to have. He had to have. I'm guessing he. I'm guessing he turned down, hoping to be on the Ryder Cup team in his home country. Um, honestly, I I have no uh, no like actual info on that. I, that's just a guess, but maybe you see uh, Francesco sneak over to live if it's still a thing after the Ryder Cup. But hope not. How about uh, Xander Schauffele being in contention at the cut line and then firing seventy five seventy six on the weekend? To, yeah, uh, and I just wanted to jump on uh, JT, like you said, like he. I, I watched a decent amount of the coverage the first day, I and mean, he just really didn't have it. His putter looked awful um ends up having a really good second round um i was like okay well jt's here for the weekend and then you know just sort of couldn't really muster anything over the weekend i'm i don't know i'm a little concerned about jt recently to be quite honest it seems like he he just doesn't have um and you know i think he has been the number one player in the world before but he just doesn't have the i don't know the consistency factor that some other guys have right now that like yeah. any given event or major, like right now, the Masters, the amount of money I would put on Scotty Scheffler being in contention is unhealthy. Just because yeah. Yeah. like you just know he's gonna be there. But JT is like, I don't know, it just seems like he's not in the mix as much as he could be for how talented he is. I think JT is maybe in that Rory phase that Rory was in a few years ago, where like every it seemed like, you know every other event he played in, he'd find himself at the top or the front page of the leaderboard at some point in the first couple rounds. And it'd be like, Oh, is this JT's week? And then he just, you know, has a slow round three and then falls apart in round four. Uh, like this week he was five under at the cut line. He definitely wasn't out of it. Uh, Ooh, and then JT? goes JT. Well, that, what do you mean? Not out of it. That was right in the mix. I think, yeah. I, mean, I think nine under was, leading and and Kitayama had like a two or three shot lead. Yeah. So he was like a shot or two out of second place. But yeah, yeah I've then, definitely been disappointed with JT's performance in majors too over the last five years since his first one. I mean, I know he won the PGA last year, but I mean, he, I, I don't want to take anything away from it because he clearly played great and uh, you know, he, he had the best score at the end of the week, right, of everyone in the field. But you could say he sort of backed into it. Yeah, he lucked into it a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know if luck is too strong of a word. But you, you just you know he's talented enough to sort of have that dominant performance in a major. And you would expect him to be in the mix more often than he is. So I don't really know. I don't know if it's just a putter issue. I don't know if uh, – I, I don't know what the deal is over there on Team Thomas. Uh, do you, just looking at JT, do you think he's the only person to have both of his, uh, or no, never mind. This is, I read this wrong. Scratch everything I said. Uh, the way that his Wikipedia looked, it made it seem like both of his PGA championships were in playoffs, but that's obviously not true. So I don't know. He, yeah, he won the first one outright. So yeah. 
who else were you going to mention? Xander? Yeah, Xander, I think. I don't know. I was going to talk about John Rahm, too. Uh, oh, yeah, that was crazy. You know, yeah, good so start. Xander over the weekend went 75-76. Oh, yeah, I did. I mentioned that. Just kind of a a rough finish there for Mr. Shoffley. Uh, you know, John Rahm, who finished the week tied with Xander, opening round 65, you know, seven under round one, looking great. And then back-to-back 76s. Uh, that was extremely shocking. The The phrase is, golf is a funny game. Uh, you know, that, that first round, he had a huge finish on the back nine. He eagled 16, birdied 17, birdied 18 to shoot seven under. And then his finish the second day, when he finished on the front nine, he doubled the sixth, birdied seven, bogeyed eight, bogeyed nine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just, a, you know, a crazy week for John Rahm. Yeah, and just his, yeah, that first round, so he starts off birdie, 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 and it's like, oh, here we go, John Rahm is feeling it this week. Then struggles a little bit through the middle of the round. But uh, you know, it keeps it keeps it in gear. I think he he was at you know minus three when he was getting to the last few holes, and then mm-hmm. on fifteen, so he's standing over about a thirty footer for par on fifteen, and he ends up shooting seven under par for the round. So he makes the bomb for par on fifteen, makes eagle at sixteen, makes birdie at seventeen, and birdie at eighteen. It could not have been a better finish, and he had a I think a two shot lead maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. Round one. Uh, But, yeah, just really did not have it. And, uh, yeah, he and Ricky were in the same group uh, yesterday. And it was they were just flat. Like, that group did not have anything going Mm -hmm. yesterday. So, you know, um, Ricky's kind of another guy we can throw in there. Hot start, four under round one. Uh you know, had himself up there. He was only three off the lead after the first round. And then, yeah, and then he birdied his first hole of the round for round two. I mean, he was five under. Yeah. You know, through uh, 19 holes of the tournament. And, and you think, well, geez, if he would have just stayed even, which for a PGA Tour player, you think, man, that's easy. I mean, that's that's a top 10, but also Bay Hill is Bay Hill. It, I think it we is gotta... Bay Hill. And the fact when he can't find a fairway, uh, it doesn't help on a course where you literally have no chance if you miss the fairway. Yeah, that rough uh, was with, nasty with, with the week. rough that thick and the greens as firm and fast as they were. I mean, frankly, to break par for the tournament, the way he was hitting hitting it off the tee, is a minor miracle. Well, in of itself to break par for the tournament, given where he was today, is almost a minor miracle. He was uh, five over for his round through eleven today, uh, and then birdied twelve, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen to shoot one under and finish or shoot one over and finish one under for the tournament. Yeah. Uh, I see salvaged maybe a few world ranking points and FedEx cup points, but it's not, didn't really help him all that much. He's, he kind of screwed himself too much with the, with the six over through seven hole stretch in the middle of the round. Um, but so just a little bit of what I was talking about, he was, uh, minus 3.6 strokes gained off the tee for the week, 64th in the field. And 41% driving accuracy, 71st in the field. And that's just, that's not something that you can do at this course specifically. If there is a positive though, he was, uh, he was positive 4.36 strokes gained putting uh, for ninth in the field. 
so I don't know if that's a positive or a negative because if he would have had a sim- similar putting weeks that he had the last few, like, like especially like he had at Phoenix, I mean, he would have shot – he would have played some terrible rounds mm-hmm. because the putter, the putter really saved him. Because I watched his round pretty closely, round one, when he did shoot four under. But I really – I was like – I wasn't really that optimistic because – I was like, well, I, I know how the round went, and he made some long putts, and he made some long par saves. And, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was a little bit of a, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but it wasn't a 68 where he played well. It was it was a 68 where he sort of, you know, ball striking and everything considered, you know, he was maybe could have shot over par. Yeah. But made some really long putts and happened to get in the house at four under, but. Yeah, um, definitely feels like a little bit of a wasted week considering he got off to a nice start and could have really got some got some world ranking points with a high finish, but uh, it was not to be. Yeah, I, I do definitely think there's, uh, you know, maybe some positives to take away from it. Like, yeah, he didn't get the, the finish we're looking for, but, you know, to shoot one under on this course, having really just – all around not that great of a week. Uh you know, it's kind of positive. And like to see the finish today, like that's that's something we like to see. That even if he's playing bad, he can uh you know salvage something. We'd just like to get the playing bad part out of there and uh just have him playing good outright. What do you think of the long big grip counterbalance putter? I think it looks so weird. But, I mean, if it works, it works. I'm not one to tell you. Do you remember uh, in 2017 when there was a couple events you caddied for me uh, when I was using that that Scotty blade that was uh, extended and it had that long grip on it that was counterbalanced? Yeah. I'm thinking of building another putter like that. Here we go. I I, I never – I never – I've never gotten over that because I, I really enjoyed putting with that putter. But then uh, the guy who owned it, because he was letting me use it, and he's like, well, I have a friend that, that wants to use it. So I was like, oh, so I had to give it back. And uh, I've never never found one since, never seen one like that. I'm thinking about building one like it. What do you, what do you think of that idea? I, like I said, I'm not one to tell you not to do something, but <laughs> – I don't think you've been putting that bad, so I guess I don't. I did putt know, better but... last year. I I did. I definitely think I improved last year on the green versus versus prior years. Um, I know I have a uh, emotional attachment to the Rossi, right? The Odyssey White Hot. Oh yeah, but I think uh, getting rid of that, and I mean, I I still have it. I could never get rid of it. It's too. I got too many memories with it, of course. Well, you um, had one, and then you. I believe bent it over your foot and then had to replace it with a different one. And the magic just wasn't the same. That's not true. That's not true. I still have a lot of, I mean, the first one I, I got, I, I think 2013 was the, was when I got the first one. I think that was the white ice. Was that and the then, women's one? No, no, no. That was, that was the one I had before that. Oh, I had two Rossies. So the one the the blue like technically women's one I had for a number of years when I was growing up, that was a blade. Okay. Then I had the then I had the white ice Rossi, for like that, one year that you bent over your foot. Yeah, and then when I yeah, so I started using it my sophomore year of high school, 
Then my junior year, midway through, I bent it over my foot in a tournament. So then the next day at practice, I bought the White Hot Pro, same head, at the clubhouse because I was I like showed up to practice one day. I was like, I don't have a putter, so I got to buy one in the clubhouse. Um, but I think I think moving on from that for the time being and uh, ditching the crosshand paid uh, paid some good brought some better results last year. Yeah, what say? Did you use the ping last year? What'd you use for putter last year? Yeah, I was using that ping. Uh, it's like it's got it's that flow neck blade. Yeah, yeah. I have it. Uh, it originally came with an adjustable shaft, but I sent it back to ping and just had them put a normal shaft on there at 35 and a half inches. So it's a half inch long. And that's one of my favorite things about it is that is that like, for some reason, the way my like arms hang or whatever with that extra half inch feels, feels pretty good mm-hmm. compared to just 35. Yeah. And but. for those of you that don't really know Nick, I mean, this guy goes through putters like underwear. Uh, I mean, since that, if we start with the putter, you bent over your foot, you've had to have had double digit putters by now. That's probably true, but at least I did sell all of them, except all I, all I have right now is my Ping Gamer and then the Rossi, because yeah. first of all, it has it probably has very little resale value, and it's there's too many memories. I, I could never, because yeah. I used it for like seven, eight years. Yeah, because so. you, you had both those Rossies. You had the Scotty that you were talking about. <laughs> I had another Scotty I was using that... Uh, Levi uh, let me use for mm-hmm. a number of months. I had that, like I had that for like a year. Uh, um, you had the Seymour. I had the Seymour. Did you, you ever had, see the? Did you ever you see the, the ping? Armor. Did you ever see the ping long neck? No. Uh, in college, my second year, I was using a long neck ping blade. I had two Ardmores actually. I had a red one, and then I sold it, and then I got the Patina one, and I sold that. Um. Gosh, what else? There's got to be more. Uh, meanwhile, I'm pretty. Oh, I had a, I had a Cleveland. I bought a Cleveland. Oh blade. yeah, the Cleveland. Oh, I had the black Cleveland blade, and then when I was in college, I bought another Cleveland blade, and I took it to the, I took it to the practice green, putted with it once, and sold it immediately. I was like, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> so. Uh, meanwhile, now I'm trying to think of how many putters I've had. I started not with as many as me. You had, you had the Yes Pippy. The Yes Pippy. I had the, then, the Odyssey. And then the number nine. And then I had another yes. It was, uh, I don't remember bent what the like that one. Instantly. Yeah, bent it. Was it like a Tracy or something? Or no, That might be right. I still have it uh, in my car. but. Um, and then I had the, the Spider. The spider, yeah. And then I have my, my current Spider Tour. I, there's got to be some putters I'm forgetting. I guarantee I've had other other gamers that I can't remember. But that's all right. Um, okay. Well, that was a little bit of a tangent, but that was fun. Rory, do we need to talk about Rory at all? Uh, so I would say Rory was, he sort of had the opposite week that we were explaining, uh, some of the other guys, like some of the other guys had a really nice start and then kind of fell off. He was really grinding the first round. He just did not have it, but ended up get, was, he was able to get in the clubhouse at one over and then just played really good golf the rest of the way. It was just hanging around, slowly moving up the leaderboard, and uh, ends up just one shot short. I mean, he he nearly won the tournament. I don't. I think he would tell you he did not have his best stuff this week. Yeah, he definitely was. You know, off. Uh, took the solo lead, 
uh, with a pretty good start. I mean, he was three under through 13, had six birdies at that point in the day. Uh, then hit a pretty poor iron shot on 14, the par three into the bunker, couldn't get up and down. Uh, 15 hit a terrible tee shot. And then like top shanked uh, iron out into the right rough uh, yeah, and made was... bogey there. That was tough. Um, yeah. Big birdie on 16, got him back to uh got him back to eight under and then just had a really, really good look on 18, had 10 feet for birdie, which would have posted nine uh, and kind of got a read. I believe he was playing with uh, Max Homa, wasn't he? Or was it? No, that was Spieth. That was playing with Homa. Um, he was playing with Harris playing English, who we've He's got playing with Harris about. English. Yeah. Harris English. Uh, very solid day. Bogey free over the weekend. Yeah, that's Extremely solid. Extremely impressive stuff. Um, but, he was uh, dealing with an injury um, over the last year, sort of uh, after the Ryder Cup when he was on uh, the team at Whistling Straits. But good to see he's apparently healthy, getting his game back. I mean, played very, very steady over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, but back to Rory. Uh, got a good look off Harris English's putt. Uh, and then just, you know, didn't play the right line just didn't break for him and uh post eight under and it obviously ends up not being enough because of that huge birdie by Kitayama on 17 um but yeah all in all pretty you know a good weekend for Rory it's kind of the opposite of what we're used to seeing we usually see him you know start off hot and then falter down the stretch but he started off slow and I think he's a different player. I think I'm, I, he, I think he's going to win a major this year. I would love that. I hope it's a Masters. Me too. Um, is there anyone else? I mean, before we get into too much detail on anyone, Spieth, do we need to talk about Spieth at all? You know, Spieth, they were mentioned a lot on the broadcast as putter. Like, he just hasn't had that same feel with the putter since he went on his stretch in and uh, have, 15, 16. He, you see his new posture? Like, he's yeah, really bent he's like over. Bent it looks, over. Yeah. looks very awkward. Yeah. looks extremely unnatural for him. Um, uh, but the putter was, I mean, the putter was doing work this week. He made some nice putts. You yeah, say that, I'd say, I, mean, I would say it was overall <laughs> maybe a little bit cold. But, I mean, he, that was what got, got him off to his hot start today. He made a whole bunch of putts in the beginning of his round from pretty he, good uh, distance. <clears throat> he also, you know, had a few hole outs. And, you know, the putter was also saving him because they, I think they had a stat when he was on like 11, he was five of 10 on greens and regulation and was five under. Yeah. I think through his first six holes, he had five putts today. Yeah. Um, He was positive 1.35 for strokes gained putting, which had him at 36th in the field. So not a great putting week, not a horrible putting week. I think the I mean, I think the holding out the long ones early in the round sort of, as far as the stats go, kind of counteracted the late in the round when he couldn't get any of those big putts to go. The par putt on 14, the par putt on 15, the birdie putt on 16, the par putt on 17, those were all, I mean, roughly in the uh, four to eight foot range, and he missed all of them. So, I mean, he, he was right there. He just right, right down the stretch when uh, those, that very makeable length of putt, he couldn't get any of them to go when he needed to. Yeah, you're, uh, you're talking about, what did you say he was for the week? 1.35? 1. 1.3, 36th in the field, strokes gained. Um, I'm 
curious as to what he was today, just today with the putter. I think you um, can um, – today he was plus 1.29, so 17th. So below even his weekly average. Yeah, higher in the, relative to the field. Yeah. So that basically, that just means nobody made a lot of putts today. The field overall made less putts today. But um, so, yeah, like I said, because, I mean, if you would have if you would have looked at this stat through the front nine, it would have looked a lot different. But those those, you know, four to eight footers that that he missed all of them down the stretch definitely brought this way down. Yeah. Versus where it was. I two weeks ago, I knew how to use this website. And now I like don't know how to use this website anymore. It's It's crazy because Jordan. And he has almost become the opposite of what he was at the beginning of his career when he was winning a lot. It seemed like he he was a little bit more erratic. Uh, the ball striking wasn't bad, but it wasn't like his strength, and his strength was definitely the putter. But these days it's more – it's a little bit flipped on its end where um, his ball striking is – especially iron play is probably his strength now. Um, he's yeah. gained a lot of ball speed with driver. Uh I mean, I think he's he's a better, you know, he's he's a better ball striker than he is a putter at this point. Yeah, uh, I think if you're Jordan Spieth, like, at what point do you consider a switch? Like, he's putted crosshand. I mean, ever since he was a junior, so maybe he wouldn't switch that. But I don't know. You think he ever considers like wanting to just look down at something different? I mean, I know that that putter has done a lot for him. I. I don't think so. I mean, I think he, he feels pretty comfortable with it. He struggled with it a little bit, but now he's kind of getting that feel back. So I think he's probably going to be fine for now. Uh, so, okay. So, yeah, his top stats, he's third on tour from scrambling from 20 to 30 yards. Interesting. Uh, fourth on tour from approaches from 125 to 150. So a lot of those, like, short irons, wedges, very good. Um. He's 122nd on tour in strokes gained putting for the year. Minus 0.114. So basically average. That's essentially an average putter uh, as far as PGA Tour standards. Uh, 129th in total driving, but 54th in driving distance. So he's like... I don't know. He's getting a little bit farther, but his accuracy is really not very good this season. Yeah, he's definitely hitting it farther. One seventy fourth in driving accuracy. And his, uh, yeah, sometimes it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is that he's doing really well. He just has the speed factor to where I mean, a lot of times he's just kind of slapping it all over the place on the course, but finds ways to make pars and birdies. Yeah, uh, that's that's always kind of was his game. I mean, it goes back to uh, the open the year that he won it, where he hits that tee shot into the middle of the, uh, the tour vans. Yeah. Uh, and then hits like a three wood up on the green and makes, you know, birdie or ego. I don't remember what he ended up making, but like, that's just the, the Jordan speed effect. It feels like. Um, Nothing. No one else. I really, 
Tyrrell Hatton continues to uh, talk to himself and everyone around him when he's angry. I just, um, I'd love Tyrrell Hatton. <laughs> I can, I, just, like, sometimes I can't decide if I think it's extremely <laughs> annoying or if I think it's funny. Sometimes it's uh, just hilarious. It's like, it's like Shane Lowry almost, but like Shane Lowry's not as extreme. No, Shane Lowry is not. No, I, I would not put those guys in the same category. Shane Lowry seems extremely likable, and Tyrrell Hatton sometimes comes off as the exact opposite, but I always like that quote. I think it was one year at the Arnold Palmer. He just, like, hit a shot, and he, like, asked his caddy. He's like, have you, in his British voice, have you ever seen a worse golf shot? He's like, no, answer the question. <laughs> Caddy's like, uh, no. He's like, that's what I thought. That's terrible. <laughs> but I, just this guy is, I, man, he gives me like Ed Sheeran vibes, but like, he's just. Shout out Davis Riley. Very good. Uh, final round, 66. Moved him up 31 spots on the board. Keegan Bradley, 67. I'm telling you, that's my guy this year. The rain Keegan, delay. Keegan Bradley and Jason Day. They, uh, you know, they did wonders for my fantasy team this week, and I might, I might continue to ride with them moving forward, depending on, you know, what their what their salary looks like in DraftKings. But uh, though I, I'm very bullish on Keegan Bradley and Jason Day this year. You know, Keegan, that. Keegan Bradley. You know, I'm just gonna say three rounds, rounds one, three, and four. He shot ten under. He yep. had a great week on rounds one, three, and four, and round two was just abysmal, 77, with an eagle. Yep. I mean, yeah, he's – there's – exactly, one bad round, but he's sneaky playing very well. Won the Zozo. People forget that. I don't because Ricky got second, so I was watching, I was watching that very closely. Um I don't know. I'm I I'm done going through the leaderboard. So last chance uh, if there's anyone who wanted you, to shout out from that board. You mentioned Harris English, so I pulled him up, uh, and you said he didn't make a bogey during the weekend. Yep. He only made four bogeys all week. Very good. Which is very very solid. Good. He um, was f- people forget he was in contention at the U.S. Open at Winged Foot. I mean, he's this is a guy that can play some golf. I want to compare him to Kitayama. Kitayama had two today, one on Thursday, one on Friday, and then he had two yesterday. So Kitayama had six bogeys for the week, but two of them were doubles. Uh, Harris English just, you know, if he, like you said, he's dealing with some injuries. Uh, he had a hip surgery. Once, once, and it looks like, I mean, I don't want to say once he fully recovers, but man, he is playing some outstanding golf. Especially, I guess, just this week. I haven't looked at his his season so far. Uh, two top tens and fourteen events so far this year. Not five missed cuts. Uh, and the first top ten was at the Fortnite Championship. So. Are we still talking about Harris English? Yeah. This calendar year, only made three cuts so far. T73 at the Sony Open, miscut at the Amex, miscut at the Farmers, miscut at the WM. Yeah, that's kind of interesting to see him like, kind of struggling and then to go bogey-free over the weekend. at. Yeah. I mean, to go bogey-free over the weekend at Bay Hill, that's not a struggling golfer. 
He's so, uh, he's playing well in the the events that count. T12 at the Genesis, miscut at the Honda, T2 at the Arnold Palmer. He missed the cut at the Honda. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, one thing I just want to shout out the the broadcast is taking a lot of heat probably for a lot of good playing reasons. Through. I mean, the the playing through the commercial load, I mean, it's you know, and you know, people might say, well, you know, it's these designated events with the elevated purses. They've got to, you know, they've got to pay for it somehow. But I mean, this was the first NBC designated event of the year. Yeah. CBS had Phoenix and the Genesis. And I would say the CBS broadcast was pretty dang good. So I don't, NBC needs to, needs to step it up. I think. I, I especially hate playing through because if you watch on the cock, uh, the cock, you you don't get the playing through. Yeah, that's so. Like when they go to commercial for playing through, I literally get ads. I don't get to watch okay, the playing yeah, through, which is horrendous. Like I, I'm extremely... paying, I'm paying for Peacock, and I'm still having to watch ads during playing through. That's yeah. That's extremely frustrating. It's so stupid. I hate it. Um, and with the amount of people that are streaming versus watching on cable, you know, like the playing through, it's you know, it's their way of trying to mitigate the commercial load. But I mean, when you're down the down this back nine, the stretch of a tournament, and some of the most important shots of the event are being hit on playing through, that's just that's just unacceptable. I I would love to see more events go to like almost front-loading their commercials and like the last four or five holes, just not having commercials. Like I would much rather, you know, have a commercial after every hole for holes five through 10 and then not have another commercial the rest of the round. You know, um, see, that's the thing though. Like the advertisers, that's not when people are watching. So, Um, but here's the thing with the PGA tour, if you're going to give us these events that are like designated and like, they're supposedly the bigger events and, and then, you know, now there might be some newfound interest in the game with the Netflix documentary. Like that's just not that, that can't be what the back nine broadcast is like. It just can't Dude, just like imagine NBA finals game seven like 30 seconds left and they're like, Oh, we're going to have to cut away and we're going to give you playing through. And then you have to watch Steph Curry hit a three on a little mini box instead of I mean, hearing Mike little, yell bang. It is a little bit hard to compare it to other sports that have like actual breaks because at golf, there's, I mean, golf, there's always someone hitting a shot. So, I mean, I'll, you know, give them F1, no commercials, hour and a half long race, no commercials. Yeah, but isn't F1 like sounded found funded by the PIF? No, they just have one race in Saudi Arabia. Really? Yep. Oh, why did I think why did I think the Saudis were way more involved in F1? Oh, maybe they are. They're one of their leading sponsors is Aramco or Aramco or however the heck you Aramco, say that. Aramco, yeah. <coughs> Anything right, else I think I'm Arnold done Palmer. talking about the Arnold Palmer. Great course. Uh shout out Kurt Kitayama. Kind of looks like a little kid. You know, how, how he's like 34, isn't he? I have no idea how old Kurt Kitayama is. Not I don't know a, how old he is. He is. He There's looks no like a little he's 34, kid. Right? Uh, born in 93, so he's 30. Well, probably 30 or 29, depending on when his birthday is. January. Oh, okay. 
He looks like a child. Um, Cameron Young, top 10. Just kind of sneaky. Nobody's really no, talking about No, we're done. Young. We're done going down the leaderboard. <laughs> I just, I got to shout out one more guy. Oh, my gosh. Two more, two more guys. Two more guys. Oh, my gosh. Shout out Sahith Tigala. Top 15 this week. And shout out Pearson Cootie. True, actually. Yeah, that's fair. Like, he was getting some coverage today. Rough finish. Uh, but he was getting coverage on a Sunday, and that's always nice to see for a guy. Yeah, the tough finish was hard, was tough and, to see. But uh, Ludwig Aberg? I mean, yes, Ludwig. Yeah, yes. shout out that guy, too. Ludwig I'm done with shout-outs now. There's nobody else to shout-out. Everybody else sucks in this field. Yeah. Speaking uh, of the broadcast, it was funny. I saw a tweet from Classic uh, NLU, but it was like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure uh, Harris English has one heck of a round going on to be bogey-free, but uh, I wouldn't know if I was just watching yeah. the broadcast. Uh, I mean, Harris English seriously got no coverage until hole 14. I know. Crazy. Uh, that's Dude. It's always stupid with coverage like that. There's always guys that are like, they just pop up on the leaderboard, and you're like, how the heck did this guy go from, like, you know, T20 to top five? And it's just like you don't see a shot. All right. So the PGA One, two more Tour things. Two more things. Oh, two more okay. things. Okay. Uh, pray for Lucas Glover. And Noah's pick of Kevin Kisner. Brutal. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't, like, his pick, but that was one of the guys that he put in his lineup because he last, ran out of uh, – he didn't use his salary very wisely. He was actually last. Of- he was dead last of people that finished. And he went up four spots in the FedEx Cup. What? I don't know how that works, but. <clears throat> Jeez. Okay, okay I'm the done. PGA I'm Tour done. news of the week is uh, their announcement for next year's schedule uh, when it comes to the designated events. So. So here's here's the thing. So this year, I think the schedule, including the majors, it was like 14 designated events. Um, but so the 2024 season, they're they're making a change. There's going to be eight designated events that will have fields of 70 to 78 players competing for elevated purses and FedEx Cup points. These events will also not have a 36 hole cut. Uh, guaranteeing that all of the top players will compete will be competing all four rounds. These designated events will be in addition to the majors, the players, and the three FedEx Cup playoffs events. So basically, what that means is all of those events, the majors, the players, and the FedEx Cup playoffs, were included in the list of designated events for this season. So, so those aren't included. So I'm trying to think of you know what that will bring the numbers to. If there are 14 minus the four seven so it'll be basically probably of the same events that it was this year that aren't the majors or the players or the uh, fedex cup playoffs uh maybe give or take one or two but um so 70 to 78 players in the field um obviously the elevated purses uh increased fedex cup points no cut uh, what is your initial reaction? I guess I should probably go over a little bit of uh, what it takes to get into these fields. So it, eligibility for the designated events in 2024 and beyond, exclusive of the players and the FedEx Cup playoffs, which have their own qualification, 
will reward top performers, provide ample opportunity for players to gain entry, retain an emphasis on winning, and be simple for fans to understand. While there are still details to be determined based upon which events are designated, to follow is the framework for the eligibility system. So the top 50 players from the prior year FedEx Cup standings through the FedEx Cup playoffs are um, eligible for all of the designated events the next year. The top 10 players in the current year FedEx Cup not already qualified. The top five players not otherwise eligible, earning the most FedEx Cup points through each collection, in quotes, of standard events. So basically the events between each designated event. So, you know, if one designated event is uh, Phoenix and then the next one is, for example, like Bay Hill, the events between there, the top five players in FedEx Cup points and those uh, in between events that weren't otherwise eligible will earn a spot in the uh, next designated event. Uh, current, tournament, current year tournament winners, not otherwise eligible. Um, PGA Tour members among the top 30 in the OWGR. And then uh, four sponsors exemptions. So, okay. All of somehow, that. Somehow said, I feel like this adds up to a lot more than 78 people. Um, I mean, you're looking at 50. Not necessarily. I mean, there's, just because of the amount of overlap there's going to be especially with how much the OWGR is now slanted towards uh, PGA Tour now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the top 50 players from the prior year FedEx Cup, I mean, that's probably going to include the vast majority of the top 30 players in the world. Yeah. So. I think. But So what's, your, think, what's your overall reaction to this? I think in general, uh, it's probably good. Uh you know, we're going to get to continue to see the top guys playing all at the same time. So you're going to see, you know, Rory and Rom and Scotty and all these guys playing the same week playing against each other, which is always good to see. Um, and I'm glad that they do have a, you know, something in there for, you know, guys who play well in those, those in-between weeks, uh, guys who win tournaments. So, you know, Someone like, uh, man, I can't even think. Like Chris Kirk. Yeah. Chris Kirk last week. Uh, or like you know, Eric Cole. Yeah. Eric Cole uh, would have would have probably, uh, you know, put himself in position to play in the next designated event in this, yeah. this framework. Uh, so I like that there's still that uh, to get, you know, more people in there. So, you know, somebody new has a chance to pop up and play against these guys and maybe knock them down. Kind of one of the, the funny things I saw on Twitter about it this week is that a lot of people, uh, like a lot of tour players, a lot of fans, when arguing against Liv, talked a lot about, you know, smaller fields and no cuts. And, you know, now the tour is going to the smaller fields and no cuts for these designated events. And now, granted, PGA Tour designated event is the top players in the world and the Liv events are you know Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith and then a bunch of schlubs but yeah I think I think it'll be interesting uh especially compared to like this year like I, how do you even get into a designated event this year I don't really know how it works this year probably just I think th 
they just sort of, um, I think qualifying for the events is pretty much the same this year. They just uh, stuck the sticker of designated on them. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there was much change as far as the structure goes. So I had that same initial thought is like, okay, well, you know, a lot of, you know, what we were saying makes the tour like good and traditional and all this is like the full field, no cut, all this stuff. And then, so my first reaction to this, like my, like my immediate thought was, I don't like it. I don't like that they're going to the smaller fields, the no cuts. I just don't like it. But here's the thing. How many, how many events is the PGA tour season? Like 42 events or something. And this yeah, is eight of like them. 39 to 42. This is, there. I mean, this is eight of them, right? So like most, the, the biggest events in the world, the majors, the players, things like that, that's, that's still a full field, uh, uh, 36 hole cut and, you know, hearing different, uh, players explain, you know, why they're in favor of this and all that sort of thing. I, I ended up, I ended up agreeing that I think it is a really good thing. I think it makes the designated events a little bit better, uh, just because, you know, they're sort of tr- trying to create almost like a master's like feel because the master's is not like a full size field. It's supposed to sort of just be the elite, um, and that's what these fields are going for. And, uh, the top players are going to be there all four days, right? So if you're a fan going to these events and you made plans to go over, you know, Saturday or Sunday or both, and you're a big, you know, fan of any given player, you know, they're going to be there. Even if they're not in contention, you go watch them in the morning and then watch, uh, you know, the players that are in contention in the afternoon, right? So that's, that's always a good thing. Um, you know, it's not like the whole tour, right, is built upon these events. The vast majority of tour events are still going to be, you know, 150 players, 36-hole uh, cut, all this sort of stuff. And um, a really interesting point for me is um, I didn't piece this together at first, but hearing, you know, more people explain it, I think it makes the non-designated events stronger fields because – uh, with an event, so for example, like the Arnold Palmer this week, is it was a bigger field at, you know, probably 120 to 130 or something like that. Um, and so then there's that many guys. So between, you know, 78 and, you know, 120 or 130, those are all guys that were playing in the Arnold Palmer this week. And, you know, probably don't have a chance to win the event. And so those guys, if they weren't qualified to play in the Arnold Palmer, they probably would have been playing in the Honda last week. So the, so the field of the Honda Classic would have been way better. Yeah. Um, not, with, not with huge names, but just names that are, like, recognizable enough and add quite a bit of quality to the field. So I think overall the fields for the non-designated events are going to be a lot better. And, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know. Overall I like it, and it's pretty, you know, straightforward how the relegation works, how the promotion works. And it's basically, if you're playing really good golf, you're going to be rewarded with playing in big events that offer a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, I think it almost kind of will give, like, this all-star game feel to, like, these PGA Tour events where, you you know, these designated events, you're having the top guys in there duking it out. Uh, The one question that I'll just have is, you know, will it be too much, you know, having a total of eight just normal PGA tour events turn into these designated events. Like, yeah, it's one fifth of the events, but will it 
kind of get old after a while will still be fun. Like just seeing the same, you know, 50 guys playing this week and this week and this week uh, and not getting, you know, a whole lot of turnover. Only a third of the field has potential to turn over to new mm-hmm. players. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, but at least you know nothing. It's you're only guaranteed for one season, right? So it's like getting your PGA Tour card. Yeah. Right. So you could, I mean, you could <laughs> extend that principle a little bit to saying, well, you know, for any given PGA Tour season, do I want to see the same two hundred guys competing every week? But it's like that's kind of how a tour card works. So it's almost like a mini tour card. Within so, which is going to create a lot of drama uh, at the first playoff event. What even is the first playoff event? The FedEx St. Jude or something? Yeah, I think it's um, the St. Jude, and then because, it goes BMW. Yeah, so basically, so top fifty just means everyone who qualifies for the BMW will automatically be into all of the designated events for next season. So that will that will create a lot of drama on that. You know, fifty in FedEx Cup, right around that area. Mm-hmm. So. Obviously, you know, there's the take from the live bots, right? It's like, oh, no cuts or whatever. Um, I mean, sure. If if that was a, a talking point of, you know, PGA Tour, you know, fans or the PGA Tour or whatever, um, even though it's not all of the events. But so do you do you see any of this stuff with like James Hahn when he's on I- Twitter? Like. At this point, I've seen so many James Hahn things that anytime I see James Hahn's name, I just stop reading. So I think at one point he was on the pack for the tour. And yeah. like he, you know, all is always making his opinion known on all of this stuff. And he hates all the new changes. And it's, it, 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 I don't know. He's just always, he really doesn't like, you know, like Rory and all of the top guys that are in, or, you know, more or less in charge. And, coming up with these ideas and decisions and so here's what he said with so much on the line these days top 70 making the playoffs exemptions into elevated events it gives the top players in quotes more opportunities to stay on top we have basically given them eight more tournaments with guaranteed money and points by taking away from average players if i play 28 events a year it doesn't seem likely I will be playing 28 events next year given the same status and especially not with the same amount of points, i.e. opposite field events. If a top player falls behind, he can add more events to his schedule to earn more points. The rich get richer. So I was barely even following that, to be quite honest. Um, I know he went on interviews and kind of talked about how much he hated the new changes and all this stuff. Um, here's my overall take. Like, is kind of what a lot of people are saying to him. It's just like, okay, play better. That's so. So that's how it works. Play better. So ultimately, I mean, there's a way to get into these events, right? It's not like the PGA Tour just made a list of like, okay, these are the top players and these are the people we want to please. It's like, no, they're the top players because they played their way to being a top player. It's not like the, it's not like the tour is creating these distinctions between, oh, these are the normal guys. And then these are the top players. Anyone can be a top player. If you play good enough, just get the ball in the hole and fewer strokes. Yeah. Obviously easier said than done, but like, are we like, oh my gosh, that's just not fair that Patrick Mahomes is getting paid more than 
Malik Willis. No, Patrick Mahomes is good, and Malik Willis sucks. Like, that's, that's kind of how it goes. And, you know, if the tour has to, you know, in responding to Liv, has to do some of these moves to try to keep guys like Xander, Cantlay, Cameron Young, like other guys that were, you know, maybe thinking of leaving for Liv, if the cost of that is making James Hahn mad, I think that's a price worth to like worth paying. Cause I mean, doing, doing things to try to keep some of the top talent on the tour is certainly worth it. And I think, I mean, I even think this is better for some of the average guys anyway, but because, because then those events that aren't designated, like I said, I think the fields are going to be better. So if those are the events you're playing and you're playing well, you're going to get more OWGR points. And so I don't know. I just, I just don't see it. We're going we're gonna to play a game. I'm going to tell you the results of a certain player on the PGA Tour this season, and you have to guess the player. Okay. Okay. Fortinet, T51, Shriners, cut. Mayakoba, cut. Cadence Bank, Houston, open, T27. Amex, cut. Farmers Insurance, open, cut. Pebble Beach Pro-Am, cut. Waste Management, Phoenix, open, T32. Genesis, cut. I'm going to guess James Hahn. It is James Hahn. <laughs> okay. Hey, James, newsflash for you, buddy. You've won two events in your entire career. Whoop-de-doo. Your last win was in 2016. If you want to make these designated events, go out there, stop missing cuts, and flip and play better. So why should the tour, like, bend over backwards to try to make sure James Hahn makes more money? This dude that- has less FedEx Cup points than how many people are going to be in the field in these events. This dude's got 56 FedEx Cup points this year. Oh, my. That is horrendous. Go out there, play some tournaments, and do something. Why aren't you playing the Honda, buddy? Yeah, there's no reason. Yeah, he should be playing the Honda. He should have been playing the Puerto Rico Open this week is what he should have been playing. So, like, here's the thing. He, he, basically, he's saying, you know, the tour's making all this decision, and they're just, like, they're just leaving, you know, the little guy behind and just trying to make the top players, you know, rich. It's like, I think the tour might have been thinking too much about the average guy for too long. But see, you know what happened? This guy finished top five last year in the fifth major. And now he thinks he's on top of the world. You finish T4 at the 3M open and looks, look what happens. True. Gets yeah. a little gets a little power hungry, James Hahn is. He gets, gets to his head. He thinks but, he's a top player. No. But you know what he can't do? He can't finish better than T67 at the John Deere Classic. He can't well, make the, the cut at the Travelers. Classic. The John Deere Classic is like the U.S. Open of Quad Cities Pro Golf. Dude, this guy is just garbage. I'm looking at last season. Miscut at the Amex. Miscut at the Farmers. Miscut at the WM. Miscut at the Players. I don't think we need to go through James Hahn's like, whole career. This dude is just, he's just crap. All right, well, that's in our, uh, what did James Hahn say this week? On he's, on my, he's on my list. He's on my list now. Right okay. next to uh, Sleeves. for Fratelli? Yeah. <laughs> Get that guy out of there. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else on the new uh, designated events? I, ho- yeah, I just well- hope the ones that NBC covers will have better coverage. You know, for James Hahn's sake, I hope he plays in them next year, and I hope he wins one. 
That would be so funny. I hope he plays and I hope he wins one and he can triple his career earnings in one event. So true. Um, okay, so we've got, uh, speaking of the fifth major, we've got the arguably the fifth major this week. The players. One of my all-time favorite events. Uh, I love Great it, of course. Um, how do you feel overall about the move to March? Just, um, I know it's it quite a few years ago, but the May players versus the March players. I, I think it kind of ruins it a little bit, but like I understand where it came from. Uh, you know, trying to shuffle the schedule around when you have things like the Olympics um, and you want to have, you know, a big event in March, April, May, June, July, and then the FedEx Cup playoffs in August slash September. Um but I feel like kind of sort of the allure of the players was, you know, players Sunday, you walk up to 17 and they got the pink flowers there for Mother's Day. Uh, you know, that was that was always really cool about the players. But it was like, originally a March calendar slot. I don't care. I think it moved to May in like 2007 or somewhere I around there. I don't care. Inauguration Day was originally May, March 4th. Now True. it's January 20th. True. Things change, and it was doing well in its slot. I mean, there's no more iconic moment than seeing Ricky Fowler in his Sunday blue and pink throwing darts on 17, beating Kay Kizzy in a playoff to win the Players' Championship as Alexis Randock is looking on from the grandstands with Ricky's mother. You know, I definitely liked it in May. Shout Um, out to Alexis Randock. Yeah, wow. Um. I don't know. I, I guess I don't, I don't hate the move to March. It, it definitely brings in more interesting weather conditions. Sometimes it can get chilly. Sometimes it can get windy. Um, I don't know. Supposedly, it, this was the type of, like, I think the rough is rye overseed rather than Bermuda when they play it in March. Supposedly, that's how the course was, like, designed to be played. Uh, now, whether, like, how true that is, I couldn't tell you. I've just, I just remember hearing that. Um, but I don't know. Either way, uh, there were some rumblings. We were maybe going to see Tiger at TPC Sawgrass, but it's not happening. Rip. Sadly, that has just come out. Um, Tiger's not not going to play. But still, yep. uh, you got any? Uh, let's just go like your your favorite couple holes on the course, and then we can go some early picks. Oh, favorite couple holes on the course, Nick. Obviously, one stands above the rest. Obviously, 17 is the best hole on the entire course. The second best hole on the entire course. It's the most iconic. I don't know if it's the best hole on the course, though. I think 16, 17, 18, just give me them all. If you just built built me a golf course and it was just 16, 17, 18 at TPC Sawgrass over and over again, I would love that golf course. But, like, change uh, it up a little bit, you know? Probably hit a lot of balls in the water. Like, you know, hole one, par five, water on the right, like 15 or 16. And then, you know, hole four is a par five, water on the left instead of on the right. You know, just switch it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I just really do like the whole back nine. The whole back nine is just. I, I, I think 13 is like, a pretty good par three. I, I like 13. I like both the par fives, uh, hole two and hole 11. Like, those are just, I'd love the par fives at Sawgrass. What about nine? 
I love not, I love all the par fives at Sawgrass. Those are all nine, sick. Nine's a tough par five. I mean, those are all sick holes. Yeah, uh, it's, twelve. It's crazy how you you got you kind of got to flirt with the right side on the tee shot on nine to have a better look at the green. But it's like there's a creek right there, so you don't want to. Yeah. You know how precise can you be with a driver? Yeah, Race Creek is right there. It's really tough. Yeah. Um, uh, twelve is really fun when they redid it into that like short par four with the, everything sloping off. down to the left. Why do it? It's like whoever designed TPC Sawgrass in um, PGA 2K has never actually seen the tournament. Like they never. It's not drivable on PGA 2K. I know. That's so stupid. They I don't know. play it. They don't play it from like 350 in the tournament. They play it from like maybe they do for one round. They might 300. Yeah, it's like so annoying because it's like it's um, supposed to be you know a drivable birdie hole, and then you're playing TPC Sawgrass, and then you get there, and that? it's like I can't even get the get to the green. Is it hole six that there's that big hill, that big mountain on the right side of the fairway? No. What hole am I thinking of? I don't know. Uh, four where there's the mound on the left. No, it's like, so the fairway, it go, it's like dog legs, uh, right around this mound. And then there's trees up by the green. Um, well, you're thinking of six, six has the trees up by the green, but that hole's not a dog leg, right? I'll, I'll find, I'm on Google maps right now. I'll find it. Just keep talking. Are you like combining holes 15 and six in your brain right now? Am I thinking of 15? Dude, I don't know. 15 has the dogleg tee shot. Or it's not really a dogleg. It moves slightly right. It's kind of through a shoot of trees. I'll find it. Don't worry. Where's hole one on this bad boy? Google Maps. There's the driving right, range. Right, it's right by the clubhouse. Hole one. There's hole one. You know what's crazy? So I've been there in person. Humble brag. A couple of times. Um, and hole three is right by the clubhouse. Like the, the tee box for hole three is like... Right by the clubhouse, I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, hole four is sick. I forgot about hole four. Um, but, all right. So, we're basically just naming every hole on the course at this point. Okay, it's um, not six. not seven. There's eight. Have you got a, have you got a couple of uh, guys you're looking at this week? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at uh, – I just saw his name here. I'm Dylan Fratelli. <laughs> uh, looking at him to miss the cut this week. Okay, okay. Um, sure. Nico Ekavaria. Coming off a win, of I think he'll have a really solid week. He's riding the momentum. Um, okay, how about Sahith this week? Dude, I Sahith likes the TPC courses. He's been playing some pretty good golf. Uh, you know, obviously we could just talk big names here because it's the players and all the big names are playing in it. Uh, there's some guys I've, that have history here. My prediction as of like a month or two ago was Keegan Bradley is going to win either the players or the PGA this year. So I think uh, uh, one of the, the, the players is coming up. So I think if I, my brain is not failing me. I think JT has some decent history here. Uh, you know, he never won. won or did he win? Yeah, he won. twenty-one. Yeah. yeah. So JT could be in there. Um, Chez Fest is in the field. Uh, you know, Willie Z. Is this the week that Willie Z? Is he do I don't it this think week? he has a lot of form right now. Well, he just had a back injury. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not riding with Willie Z at the moment. Man, 
All right. I got my guy that I'm picking this week. I'm going to go with a little guy known as Colin Morikawa this week. Okay. I like it. I like it. Some say Colin Morikawa is a track man golfer, as in like you, when, it, when it gets outside and the, the, the conditions are brutal, he, he may not be the best, like, but I don't know. He, I think, he, I mean, playing as well as he did in Hawaii, maybe, uh, I mean, it's usually windy in Hawaii, but I think he struggled a little bit when the conditions were horrible last year, but, you know, most of the players did. I like I like that pick. Also, I mean, my other guy, Jason Day, right? I mean, he oh, won Jay in Sunday. He he won in twenty sixteen. He was in the mix in twenty nineteen. Um, I mean, I I'll probably try to get Keegan and uh, Jason in uh, in the DraftKings again. I uh, I'm just trying to think of a guy who plays well on flat golf courses. You know, Florida very flat. Um. And one of those guys, you know, for some reason, this guy Max Homa keeps poking out at me too. I think I'm liking. I think I'm liking Max Homa this week too. Uh, anyway, back to my TBC Sawgrass search, trying to find this hole I'm thinking of. Yeah, literally, what hole? Uh, where's hole ten? There's um, hole ten. It's like on the 10, other side of the clubhouse. Eleven. I don't know what hole 12. you're thinking of, dude. Six, six is the one that has the tall. Okay, I'm thinking. I'm green. thinking of. I'm thinking of fourteen. I'm thinking of fourteen. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, fourteen sweet hole. Love fourteen. Always kind of some carnage on fourteen. If you miss it right and you're on that huge hill, you know some people can do some crazy things there. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Now I. Now yeah. I yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, all right, we're going to take a, a, a quick break in the action. I'm going to be uh, right back. i gotta got to take care of something. Ad break. I, said, I, I think I said Max All right. Homa. All right, we're back. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. We're talking hopefully, about Max Homa. Hopefully you enjoyed that ad from our sponsor, uh, which is the sponsor we were just talking about in that ad that definitely just played. Yes. Uh, so thank you for that person slash company for sponsoring us. Uh, it was uh, it was the ZX7 uh, or the what's that one? What's well, the one that stands by itself? Is that the ZX7? Yeah, yeah, yeah the SK, the S7K putter or something. Yeah, maybe alone. Dude, low key, we should have them sponsor us and then just rock those in tournaments. <laughs> anyway, Max Homa. Uh, so, what, what are you thinking on Max Homa? Obviously, his iron game is phenomenal. Yeah, and this is you know it's a second shot golf course. Uh, so, guy with a strong iron game. It's kind of also why I also went with uh, with Morikawa. Um, two guys who are pretty usually pretty dialed in with their irons. So, you know, I think if they're having a good, a really good ball striking week, uh, I think they could, they could get it done this week. Um, you know, maybe you could even like lump a Jordan Spieth in there. We kind of talked about earlier, his, uh, his ball striking has been kind of carrying him to the promised land. However, uh, 
of those three names, I think I would leave Jordan Spieth off just because obviously his driver can get a little wayward and sawgrass is not really a place you want your driver getting wayward. A lot of trees, a lot of water, a lot of sand. If you had to pick one of the top three players in the world, because these guys I would say have sort of separated themselves, uh, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Rory, which if you had to go with one of them for this week, who would it be? I think I'm going to take John Rahm. Okay. He was in the mix in 2019. I think he had solo lead at some point on Sunday. Um. I think Scotty might have struggled a little bit last year, but again, the conditions were just insane last year. Yeah. Guys were yeah. hitting six irons on seventeen, and it was it was crazy. Um, why can't I immediately think of who won? That's bad. Y E Yang. Uh, uh, wasn't it? Uh, the, oh gosh, yeah, okay. Ha, huh, that's why I couldn't think of who it was. Yeah, I was not in any ads or anything. Was it a was it an, a guy who uh left? Cam Smith. Low key. Didn't really realize this. You know who finished fourth place at the players last year? Well, I know Honorban Lahiri was second. And I think another live guy was third. Old Casey. That's who got third? Yep. Okay, who was fourth? Kevin Kisner. Really? You know who's fifth? Who? Egan Bradley. Oh. No, James Hahn couldn't play in the players, dude. I dude, I your Keegan, your Keegan statement could definitely see it coming true this week. Uh I kind of wanted to say Kevin Kisner's name is a joke just to throw him out there. Uh however, he does play pretty well at this course. Yeah. I mean, he finished fourth last year. He lost in a playoff one year uh, to Ricky. I mean, is Kevin Kisner going to win it? No, but I would probably throw some, some bucos down on uh, maybe a K Kizzy top 10. I've always loved that quote. Like, like, do you feel like you can like, there's some courses where you show up and you just like, can't win. Yeah. Okay. Then, why do you even bother showing up? Well, they still pay a lot for 20th. Yeah, I, uh, they have them on another podcast that I listen to. Uh, and, like, they always talk about, you know, like, oh, the four majors this year. What do you think of your chances? Like, ah, oh, Masters, got to hit it pretty far. Uh, so I'm out. U.S. Open, it's pretty long and the rough is really thick, so I'm out. Uh, and then he's like, the Open's too windy. And the PGA is usually pretty tough, so I just I'm never gonna win a major. Jeez. Uh if he ever won a major, I feel like it would have to be an open. Um more specifically, I think it would probably have to be an open at St. Andrews, which by the next time there's an open at St. Andrews, he'll be like forty eight. Champions. So, so uh Kevin Kisner's chances of winning a major are getting lower and lower by the minute. Uh, that is true. And he switched to Wilson, and he's been playing like doo-doo. Imagine. The Dyna power. Okay, no Tiger. Uh, no Tiger. Anything else from uh, previewing the players? I don't I don't think so. Um, good video. Uh, you know, the there's a 
scramble versus Billy Horschel last week at, uh, or that came out last week at TPC Sawgrass. The the gentleman from Four Play. Oh god! Played a four man scramble against him. Uh, that was a pretty fun watch. Just kind of got you hyped for the players. Uh, you know, nothing else really. It's a uh, Billy Horschel. I can see that. Yeah, um, and he does play there. I believe that's his home course. So he's got a little uh, got a little history with the course. He probably knows some of the the members' secrets. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's just always a, a good week. Um, I it definitely I feel like kind of just come can get overshadowed. Uh, like when you get the Masters or the, the Open. And the week leading up to it is, you know, pretty hype. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you still get that hype with the players, but it's definitely not to the same level. Uh, well, at least Golf Channel does do live from the players. You yeah, know, that's, is, you're just gonna have st- Golf Channel on on the coverage. Do they still have that little gold guy hitting shots? I don't know if I like that or hate it, but I because that was just terrible. I hated the gold guy. And they um, changed the trophy. I mean, the tro- when they changed the trophy to the gold guy, it just kind of ruined the trophy. That was the same year they added the the new uh, the the players, you know, own signature theme music, which yeah, has kind of kind of grown on me. That's pretty sick. I like the players' music. All right, uh, TGC tours for the week. Is there any sort of update, or was that on? Uh, or is that the one you gave us on Tuesday? No, we talked about it on Tuesday. I did make the cut, officially. First made cut in some time. Uh, and, you know, pretty solid overall week. Uh, let me see. T14 for the week. So top 20, after not making the cut for a while. Got rid of two of those demotion marks, so we're down to two. Which is favorable. Uh and I will attribute my great week to my putter. When the putter's hot, anything is possible. Uh, I was averaging 1.3 putts per hole. Pretty solid. Uh, 23rd in the field for putts per hole. Just, you know, it was, it was a ho-hum week. But one thing that kind of stuck out to me is I realize how far behind I am. Um, like the winner this week shot 49 under, I shot 39 under and I just took a gander at his scorecard. He made one more bogey than I did for the week. Uh, but total, he made 25, 37, he made 48 birdies this week. I made, uh, 35. Like, I I can't make birdies, and I'm just so far behind. Like, there's guys that'll go out, they'll shoot, like, 58, 57. And, like, if I shoot 63, I'm happy half the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm so far behind. Uh, You know, it's been a long time since I've actually had a round in the 50s. Uh, During my rounds that I played today, I did throw down two rounds I uh, threw down two fifty nine. So if I make the cut, that'll be a should be a decent finish. But it's just the game's tough. It's so much tougher than I remember it being. 
like early on in the game. Um, so this is a, a new event then that, that you had started? Yes, I played the this week's event already. Um, and, you know, just a, a ho-hum. First round, uh, shot 64. It's a par 70, so six under first round. Nothing really spectacular, just couldn't really buy any putts, was missing a lot of fairways. Um, round two, I really lit it up, though. I shot 11 under round two, so it got me 17 under at the cut line, which that should be good enough, right? Yeah, most weeks, 17 under makes it, and this I think this course is a little bit tougher, so I think 17 under should be good. Um, if not, I'll probably miss it by one, which would really suck. Uh, but yeah, uh, shot 59 round two. So that'll put me at 17 under at the cut line. And if I make the cut 59 round three, so back to back 11 unders and those two rounds just felt like nothing could go wrong. I was making a lot of putts, um, hitting fairways. They're just playing smart. But, yeah, looking at my stats for round one, I hit 50% of fairways in round one, which is just horrific. It's especially this course, like the fairways were pretty tight and it was a lot of heavy rough and it was a lot of elevation. So, like, if you miss the fairway, you're having to club up four clubs just for the rough. And then you got to club up another club or two for the 40 feet uphill that you're hitting your second shot. So I put myself in some some very bad positions. Mm-hmm. throughout the tournament um but you know still made still made quite a few birdies so hopefully we make the cut get rid of another demotion mark maybe finish top 20 and go back to all square but just i found something you know it finally feels good i'm hitting i did a little recalibration last week and i'm hitting just a little slight fast and it's beautifully controllable it adds like three yards of distance Mm-hmm. But it also goes like dead straight. So it's just perfect uh, how I've been able to hit the ball the last couple of weeks. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. Well, it sounds like uh, maybe things are looking up a little bit. Switch back to Butch. Yeah, we uh, finally went away from that big guy, Chris Como. Uh, went back to Butch. We pulled him out of retirement for the TGC tours, gave me some coaching, and he's, you know, he's given me the, given me some some help. Um, but man, I I just gotta I gotta echo it. If I could make putts consistently, I would be so good at this game. Like there was, a, I played. They have a promotion event this week. Round one. 11 under, really couldn't miss many putts. Round two and three, like anything from like eight to 10 feet, low lip, low lip, low lip, every single time. Just cannot read. Like they had an update last week. I swear I think the update changed the greens, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I just can't see. I've always had an issue, like for some reason I find like driver and three wood timing to be way easier than iron timing. Just I don't know if it's like the I way agree. the way I look. I don't know if it's like the swing animation or 
what it is, but for some reason, I find it way easier to have good timing with the driver versus iron shots. Yeah, I've really just, like, I've been playing it so long. I've been playing it for almost four years now that I really do just kind of have the timing down. Uh, like, you just kind of get the feeling of, like, you know how far back is 100%, and then you know exactly your your timing going forward. You just kind of start to learn it. Um, I was a metronomer in the last game for a little bit, too. I actually had a metronome on my phone that I would play, and I would take oh, my wow. swings to the metronome to make sure that I had, like, the exact timing. And Jeez. It was just... I, I went way too hard for timing in 21, which it just kind of comes naturally this game. So that's, that's ideal. Well, good. Uh, what was this little discussion point you put on there? Yeah. So uh, it's been a while since we've had, Oh, are we going to talk about full swing this week? Mm, I don't know. Here's the thing. Like the longer it goes, like the less I remember the episode. So this That's week would true. have been in, in theory five and six, right? It would have been five and six. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I feel like I got to watch him again. Yeah. I might have to, we'll talk five and six next week. Noah's not here. We'll get Noah back. We'll talk five and six with Noah. Even though, I mean, he hasn't seen him. He, he doesn't add anything to well, his yeah. discussion, but yeah. Uh, but again, on a podcast this week and I saw it on Twitter, there was a discussion, uh, where the guys on the podcast were debating, you know, what are the top five most famous golf courses in the world? Uh, so when you think golf, you know, what are just the top five most famous? And I think, I think three of them are very easy. I think the top three are probably very easy. Okay, I'm going to guess the three that you are thinking. Augusta. Correct. St. Andrews. Correct. And Pebble Beach. Correct. Okay. So the top three are very easy. Besides those three, you know, what are the, what are the two most famous golf courses in the world that like you could ask somebody that knows nothing about golf, you know, what are the the top five or not, maybe not nothing, but like very little isn't a golf hard like we are. Uh, but what are the most five famous golf courses? Like I would maybe put, two? I would maybe put sawgrass in there see i was thinking sawgrass um and then the fifth one i i don't know i really don't know for the fifth one uh you know i've heard people throw out uh shinnecock ah no i've heard people no way i've heard people say winged foot no um I kind of lean like I kind of lean Beth Page Black, but I don't think that's really, you know, that famous. If you don't know a lot about golf, you probably don't know a lot about Beth Page Black. And some international folks would be just annoyed that that would make four of the five on the list American courses. I guess I mean we're a little American biased here, but like you know, if I think of courses in Europe, I don't I don't know many courses unless they either had the Olympics there or they had the Ryder Cup. Like Lay Golf National, I only know because the Ryder Cup was there. Well, uh, I would say 
I wouldn't say like Le Golf National. Like, well, that's um, so. Let's see. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say Royal County Down. I was actually thinking of Royal County Down, um, but also Pinehurst. Pinehurst. Maybe Pinehurst. Okay. That's um, a just as far as being like a notable and recognizable name. Yeah, uh, you know Payne Stewart. But like, man, I don't know. Like you've mentioned Royal County Down, I would almost go. If I'm gonna go with it, another open road course. Either Turnberry or Carnoustie. Carnoustie Prestwick. Nope. I couldn't even tell you. Like, what's That's the where course? They had, I think the first eight opens or so. What's the course? Uh, I believe, I don't remember what year, but I think it was Phil and Ernie that Els kind of coming down the stretch. Was it Royal Troon? Oh, wait, wait. Him and Ernie or him and Henry I, rem- I remember watching it in an Applebee's, and I feel like I remember Ernie Els coming down the stretch. But like 18, it was grandstands up both sides. It was. I, I don't the year the, the year that Phil won, I I don't know. Or is it when I, he came up? He came in second to Henrik Stenson. No, it year wasn't. He won. It was wasn't Henrik Stenson year. The one the one when Phil won was at Mirfield. Was Ernie Els like in contention? Possibly, I'm not sure. What year Probably was that? West do you, was. Do you that know? That was 20, 2013. See, I was a little kid and I was at Applebee's. You don't think? Well, it could be Mur- Sem- it could be Muirfield. You don't think Seminole would would be? Do you? Or Bandon Dunes? I don't think Seminole. I don't think. I don't think Bandon. Like I don't feel if you're not a golfer that you probably know what Bandon is. So I'm guessing, like, if you were to make this list, I I think it's I think it's Augusta, the old course at St Andrews, Pebble Beach, and then. I think probably Sawgrass has to be on that list. I, I think Sawgrass would probably have to be four, yeah. And then after that, it's like it really depends where you're from. Yeah, I'm just trying to think you of know, like huge like major courses. Yeah, Wentworth, I could right. see. Um, I mean, there's not really anything like Australian that's just stands out. There's not really Royal a- Melbourne is awesome. There's not really a big Asian course that just like stands out. I th- what about Shishan? I, I love Shishan. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, and this could just be me playing Tiger Woods a lot growing up, but Turnberry really stands out to me. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's interesting because it's obviously that's, we're not saying what we think are the best courses. It's just what are yeah, the most like famous most, and or notable. Most famous. I'm just looking at a um, list that has like the best courses in the world ranked. It has Royal County Down at number one. Augusta at number two. Pine Valley. See, I think, I think Pine Valley would probably be... Oh, there's one we just... We pass right over. What about what, Oakland? Goodwin? 
Oh yeah, I thought of it. I didn't say it. Yeah, as far as U.S. Open courses go, it's because I I just googled a list and just fifteen Cypress Point. Yeah, Cypress Point could be up there. Pine Valley's in New Jersey. I never would have guessed that. So golf monthly, twenty of the world's most famous golf courses: St Andrews, Augusta National, Pebble Beach, Abu Dhabi Golf Club, Bethpage Black. Hate Kidnappers, New Zealand. I've never heard of this golf course before. Man, I don't know. Yeah, Muirfield. But yeah, yeah, there's not, there's definitely not a. They have Marion at number 10. Marion is such a sick course. Oakmont at 11. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just trying to, like, just also, thinking. National Golf Links of America. Yeah. I've never heard of this course. And yeah. I've seen it on multiple lists now. It's in New York. It's a really, really nice golf course. Uh, it's, I believe it's, like, so where Shinnecock is, it's, like, a mile away from Shinnecock. It's kind of, like, the same vibe, the same layout, but it's very, very private. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, but I'd say just if you ask, oh, I'm interested. You, you took a random poll and asked people to name five golf courses: Augusta, St Andrews, Pebble Beach, TPC Sawgrass, and you know if they were if they grew up in the Tiger Age, maybe Torrey Pines would get mentioned. Um, you know, if they were Payne Stewart, Payne Stewart fan, Pinehurst, that fifth one is really tough. It's really I, tough. I mean, I I could see someone saying Pinehurst, um, oh, Riv. Never mentioned Riv. I I don't know if Riv is that like famous. It's a nice course, but I don't think it's that famous. I feel like it is pretty famous. It has sort of like a. Sure, I don't know. What about Augusta Wind? Yeah. Oh, Augusta Country Club. I mean, the like the Country Club in Brookline. I thought about that too. If you're the a country movie club. watcher. Um, speaking of golf movies, what golf course is uh, Bagger Vance filmed at? I have no idea. I do know I'm very excited for the PGA this year at Oak Hill. I do like Oak Hill. Legend of Bagger Vance. Uh, the U.S. Open at LACC this year. That's going to be interesting. Oh, the never, uh, seen, never seen that course. Portions of the exhibition match were set at the Kiowa Island Golf Resort in South Carolina. That's crazy. Oh. Do you remember the uh, golf movie? We're getting to the stage of the podcast where we just ramble now. Uh, what was that golf movie? It was about gambling, and it had the guy that played Shooter McGavin in it. It was uh, <laughs> The Squeeze, I think. That movie was so bad. But every you know, time... Shooter McGavin, I watched Happy Gilmore yesterday. Every time it was on, like the movie was terrible, but every time it was on, I would have to watch it. It, it, that movie was truly awful. 
Is that what it was called? The squeeze? It was the squeeze. A young golfer who just won the local tournament by 15 strokes and tied and broke the public course record during the tournament and is seduced by a gambler to play golf for bet money. Like, I watched that whole movie once. I couldn't even remember. I I couldn't tell you how it ends. Uh, They locked some guy in a trunk, I think. Jimmy Diamonds. And he played against Aaron Bolt. What a stupid film that was. Yeah, it was odd, for sure. What are some other golf films? Happy Gilmore, like I mentioned. Yeah, Happy Gilmore. Like, three best, obviously, are probably Happy Gilmore, Tin Cup, and uh, Greatest Game Ever Played. I would say Greatest Game and Tin Cup are, like, for me, on a on a level pretty pretty significantly above anything else. Bagger Vance is up there. I, mean, I haven't even seen that whole movie. Have a you ever seen pe- Seven Days in Utopia? No, I haven't. Wait, you that should, was you one. Should, you should watch I it. I have watched this movie. That was a Golf Channel one, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. Lucas Black plays Luke Chisholm, a young professional golfer who's a meltdown. Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen this. Because, yeah. Yeah, because it's got Ricky in it. And then he plays that match against the Asian guy, and it's TKO, but it's KJ yeah. Choi. It's yeah. KJ Choi, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen that movie. Man, I have to watch that now. Where can I find that? Direct TV? What? Uh, Caddyshack is up there for me. A lot of people don't like Caddyshack. Like, I feel like it's if you like dumb humor, you like it, and if you don't like dumb humor, you probably don't like it. Yeah, I'm not a not really a Caddyshack fan. Um, I just I looked up best golf movies ranked, and. So it's number one is Tin Cup. Number two is Caddyshack. Number three, Happy Gilmore. Number four, Greatest Game Ever Played. Number five, Bag- Number four, Greatest Game Ever Played is absolute blasphemy. It's actually got Seven Days in Utopia at number 12, too. They have the squeeze at number one, though, right? Obviously. Great movie. All right. Uh, do we have any anything else we need to be covering, or uh, um, much I, in the did we smoke? actually not get any live news this week? Like, did just nothing come out from live this week, or are we not I choosing to talk really, about live? Nothing that I remember, and I, I mean, yeah, I didn't expose myself to a ton of news this week, but I don't really remember. That's crazy. Um. Oh yeah, I suppose you're on your, you're like off Twitter, aren't you? For the most part. Yeah, I. Uh, let's just go. I'm just gonna go quick Google search of live golf. See if anything pops up. Um. um nope. Nothing okay. Right up. now. Right now. Who is your favorite swing on tour? Like it. You like you could. 
just assume their swings as like that's your swing, but you you get all of their you also get all of their you know statistics like their driving distance and all that sort of stuff. Man, he's not on tour, so I'm not going to take him. Um, Who were you going to say? Is going to take George gonna, Bryan? No, I was going to take Grant Horvat. Dude, I like hit that. I far. like. I don't care. Uh, give me, give me Rombo. Okay, interesting. Give me Rombo. All right. He does make it's, it seem pretty simple. Short like, backswing and basically just swing as hard as you can. Yeah, I always liked growing up like Tiger swing. Uh, just because it's like so perfect, and Adam Scott kind of the same level. Um, like Kevin Kisner's swing is nice, but he hits it so short. Honestly, like a good Ricky swing with driver, I I've, I've always loved the look. Like when it when he's in when he's in rhythm, yeah, and not driving it all over the planet. But when he's got like a really like certain follow through. And when he's driving it really good, um, a swing that's been growing on me recently is Max Homa. I used to really not, not like watching his swing, but just watching him hit, especially irons, just like the way he he shallows, like yeah, shallows the shallows it out in tra- in transition and just hits those baby fades is gorgeous. Yeah, I. Uh... In like a golf group I'm in on Facebook, they were like, what are the, what's the swing video you go to when like your swing's not good and you just want to like watch something else? Uh, and there were so many people that commented Max Homa and I had never watched like a Max Homa swing super cut. So I pulled one up instantly and oh my gosh, it's just Was so, it the video so on nice. YouTube that's called Max Homa going to Tempo Town for three minutes and 12 seconds or whatever? No, it wasn't, but I'm going to have to watch that oh, video now. you know, yeah, you got to, yeah, go on YouTube and search Max Homa Tempo Town. It's just yeah, like... Yeah, I'm going to watch that before it's I just go a, It's just him hitting a bunch of iron shots. There's a I'm video... I'm actually um, going to queue it up right now. If I'm ever playing tournament golf and I just get to the point, it's like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just making it too hard. Like, it, it... Then I just go and watch the highlights from the 2011 U.S. Open when Rory just dominated... Um, I did that a few times in college. I would just go, you know what? I feel like the way I'm playing, I'm just making golf too hard. So I just watch Rory win the U.S. Open by eight. Um, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's all it is. It's just like, you know, you, why, why make golf harder than it needs to be? You smash your driver down the fairway, you stick your approach, and you walk in the birdie putt. It's not that hard, right? Yeah, it's easy. It's simple. And then if you hit it out of bounds, right, you then you just smash your drive, stick the approach shot, and then just walk in your putt for bogey, and you stay on the bogey train. Yeah, you just stay on the bogey train, stay off the bogey train. I don't know. Do something with the bogey train. You listen All to right. it and like and subscribe. Yep. With that, uh, we'll be back next week, most likely. That was but, episode uh, 23. Jordan, you're next episode week Kobe. Week. Yeah, we'll be back uh, with Kobe episode. Rest in peace next week, and uh, yeah, we'll hope to see you all again then. Yeah, peace out. I just got stuck in a bogey train. Mm-hmm.